0: Welcome to another episode of Dice Talk. It has been quite some time. Had some health issues, got busy with a lot of school and everything, but now I'm feeling healthy and back and ready to go and just in time for the new year. Of course, I am Jeremy. And I'm Jerome too. And we have an awesome episode planned for you today. You know, it's the brand new year and a new year is all about a new self, new you, new beginnings, and nothing quite says rejuvenation like the undead. So our topic today is going to be talking about recycling the bodies of people and creatures so that you can throw them at your players and torment them to no end and perhaps even allow your players to join the ranks of the enemy. I think
1: enemy's putting it a little bit strongly, old boy. Uh, but yeah, I completely agree. The, the, it, in What better way to celebrate the birth of a new year than uh, by... Propping up the the rotting corpse of the last one.
0: Right. I mean, that's a birth of sorts. Um, Yeah. You know, you're, I wouldn't say you're extending their life, but you're certainly extending their undeath. Yeah. You know, you're allowing uh, a creature or a person, or like I said, even maybe a character to just become something completely new and unexpected. Even if sometimes that means the uh, player might not be able to play that character anymore, but that's okay.
1: That's just, you know, that's just the cost of doing business.
0: So we're going to be focusing a lot on Dungeons and Dragons today. We might be mentioning mm-hmm. um, some other games that have to do with some undead and horror elements. But for the most part, I think when I think of undead in terms of a role playing game, I immediately come to Dungeons and Dragons. And I think that's because there's just so many of them. And even though they all have different attributes and characteristics that are similar in a lot of ways, the more I read about undead, the it's crazy how different they can be at the same time. You know, you might think, oh, a skeleton or a zombie or something like that. But there are just so many undead creatures. Just right off the bat, do you have any, like, favorite undead things that come to mind? Or have you ever played an undead character? Or what's your favorite monster to throw at some players?
1: Um, well, I mean, it's hard to go. I mean, your the, the stock your stock answer there is going to be, you know, zombies and skeletons, which, you know, yeah, run of the mill. Everybody knows what they are. They're pretty yeah, bad. Yeah, you know, standard. What I like is some of them more obscure weird um undead things i mean even just doing a surface level um cursory search of the topic undead and you will see the edgiest edgelord stuff you've ever ever edged with with death comes a lot of you know decay and weird creepy nasty stuff um ghasts would be a nice a nice one really stinky stinky zombie ghouly things but of course if we're going to go really in the deep end, then from third edition. There's something called a skin kite.
0: A skin kite.
1: A skin kite. Yes, as in, (laughs) let's go fly a skin kite. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of uh, background on what a skin kite is. It is an untead, sentient clump of skin um, that sometimes has matted bits of hair and stuff on it in sort of a vaguely humanoid shape. Um, The Forgotten Realms wiki is at great pains to point out that its favoured terrain is hills and it predates on the living by swooping down out of the sky landing its horrible flappy dead skin on them and then tearing chunks off them. To replenish itself and then soaring away on a ge- on a gen- gentle uh, not a genital wind a gentle thermal. <laughs> uh, Whoops, the daisies. Yeah, a bit of a Freudian slip there. Yeah, it's a different um, kind of sketch. But kind. yeah, <laughs> um, to pluck from uh, the very the various ranks of the undead. Um, why be restricted to the ones everybody knows? And you could certainly just. By giving a skeleton some sort of magical attack or some you know something like that, you can just add shit to stat blocks to mix it up a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it would be cool to do something like you know take your standard zombie or skeleton and then stick it inside a an animated armor, and now they're or a helmed horror or something, and now they're fighting two different creatures at once. Maybe they think they've defeated one to find there's an undead zombie inside, or if you take a look in even the standard monster manual under zombie. It's not just a humanoid zombie. There are multiple types of zombies. There's an ogre zombie. There's a beholder zombie, which I, I think that's a really cool idea. Um, you know, beholders are pretty powerful. And a lot of players that are new to D&D get that monster manual and see that beholder on the front and want to fight it. So what I've done in the past is actually thrown some beholder zombies at some newer players that are still low level. They don't know they're not fighting the real thing until later. So they get that excitement and they get that kind of feeling of like, oh shit, this is the thing from the cover of the book. Yeah, And then, uh, you know, it's not quite as bad. But at the same time, it's a lot more to handle than a regular zombie.
2: Hell
1: yeah. I mean, the thing is, was like things like zombie and skeletons, they the templates more than anything else.
0: I feel like you can look at that for a lot of these.
1: Yeah, it's just, you know, it's a series of additional additional rules that you might, you know, sort of apply to an existing creature. So immunity to various things and then a susceptibility to either light or, you know, radiant damage or et cetera, et cetera.
0: I like a lot of the lore that's connected to a lot of these undead creatures. Um, You know, a lot of people know how zombies and skeletons and things like that work. Sure. But you made mention of a ghoul earlier. Um, and some people that you might have read, some know, like a Neil Gaiman book or something might know of ghouls. They just hang around graveyards, eat the undead, or not eat the undead, but eat dead bodies and corpses. They're not really much of a threat to the living.
1: Eat dead bodies, yeah. But
0: the Monster Manual describes a ghoul as not just a creature that eats dead bodies, but it actually worships Orcus, a giant undead god. And in the lore of D&D, Yanagu, who is the gnoll god, actually went into hell, overthrew this, like, lord of ghouls, and now they serve Yanagu, the Knoll god or the gnoll demon. So it kind of just, like, you could really put these into any sort of campaign you want. It doesn't have to be around a graveyard. You can have undead creatures that are more than just zombies, more than just skeletons, and they kind of flip the classic lore of ghouls on their head.
1: Given that gnolls have, like, hyena heads, kind of puts me in mind of, like, Lovecraftian ghouls they're described as having sort of like vulpine, hyena-y kind of like gangrel, feral faces. And they also have a have a society of their own.
0: And I know gnolls aren't undead, but like they could be. Uh, uh, when I was researching them for an upcoming adventure I'm writing for DM's Guild, it actually said hyenas will follow the gnolls around. And when a gnoll dies in battle, they just leave its body there and the hyenas will eat it. Yeah. And then out of the hyena's body will burst a new knoll mm-hmm. uh which i thought was pretty cool and like you could so easily homebrew your own creature and kind of turn that into uh like a sort of undead version of a knoll and and actually they do have an undead version of a knoll it's like a big skeletal knoll with bits of flesh hanging off of its bones and that's um for knolls that basically didn't die in battle but sacrificed themselves in a in a dark ritual towards their god yinagu so even though they're fiends and they're, they're not undead uh they still can become undead
1: mm. another you've got non-corporeal undead as well so in addition to sort of being raised by dark magic or whatever ghosts motivated by an unfinished task or um a swan oath that they failed to upkeep in life or you know Uh, some heinous atrocity that they'd committed has sort of drawn them to to become undead Um, you know the all of these sort of different um, things they're not necessarily as I say a combative element to your games necessarily ghosts although you know you can fight them with magic weapons and stuff don't have to necessarily be antagonistic
0: yeah they don't have to all be like a poltergeist like some of them can just be a character or something interesting that yeah is a way for your players to get information Uh, maybe they're exploring an abandoned library or some ruins and maybe this ghost doesn't want to fight maybe it's there maybe it's just stuck in some sort of loop of its you know death or something and it's just a way to kind of give them information or expand the lore of uh, whatever environment you're trying to create
1: I think then that becomes more of a, a social challenge then than a, a combat related one. You know, trying to either understand what its motivations are, or if it's even aware of you, and how to get its attention and how to give it what it wants.
0: I mean, it could be the hook. Yeah. It could be uh, like the the poultry geist. That yeah, exactly. Adam ran for us a, a American Thanksgiving module. It was it was a ghost giving us this quest. Mm,
1: uh, yeah, precisely. And the ghost is you know it's a good. Um, Sort of Deus Ex Machina, <laughs> if you need one, <laughs> uh, to just waltz out of the walls and help a party or hinder them in some way. Uh, if it just it turns out that the ghost was a baddie all the time, who knows? But yeah, like I say, un, undead—it's anything that has been dead is, and is now somehow not
2: <laughs> <laughs> But not dead. So
1: yeah, I, I I know that sounds really stupid, but like it doesn't have to be humanoid it doesn't even have to be like made of in an entire body they're like like skin kites like skin kites (laughs) or like fang golems have you seen those like have you seen like artist renditions of a fang golem
0: i don't think so what's that look like
1: it's kind of like a dog made entirely out of teeth oh my
0: god This it's horrible yeah it's pretty
1: nasty like just this horrible beast teeth. Um, like
0: it just is a sarlax mouth.
1: Yeah, essentially. But with legs made out of teeth. There's also something called a tomb moat, which I kind of, I, I, the more I read about these, the more adorable I found them to be. They're tiny, undead creatures that resemble humanoids created out of clumps of tomb litter and waste. So quite what tomb litter and waste is.
0: So whatever the ghouls leave behind.
1: Yeah, or leave to your imagination, I guess, bits of fingernail and stuff, but whatever. And dirt, grave dirt. These imp-like beings were spontaneously spontaneously risen, so just for no reason, they just existed. Uh, Animated bone shards, loose teeth, hair balls, and cracked shards of tombstone. So they're about a foot tall. They're apparently not necessarily completely evil, they could just be impishly mischievous, but they all carry a disease called corpse bloat, so if they bite you, you get some kind of horrible disease.
0: They're what happens when a Rat King dies.
1: Yeah, they're like undead dust bunnies. (laughs) 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 So these were never, you know, an individual creature, these are just manifested by spontaneously through just spontaneous necromancy i guess a place would have to be like you know saturated in evil dark magics um for these things to just spontaneously rise but yeah i kind i kind of think from that description um you see an army of darkness the um I have, yeah. evil evil Tent 3 <laughs> um when uh the the little mini ashes when he smashes the mirror i can just sort of imagine them like <laughs> like in gulliver's travels just sort of giggling and uh
0: <laughs>
1: With their undead dust money, yeah, just undead dust money <laughs> chasing you around. <laughs> I don't
0: know. How, how about you? Have you got any
1: particular favorites? um
0: Earlier, you said that like you can use like a skeleton or a zombie as as sort of a template, and then kind of yeah, homebrew your own thing from there. And I think that's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. Like you can obviously in D D you can homebrew anything you want. So if we were to try to create, I don't know, our own sort of undead creature are there certain characteristics that are like imperative when you are trying to make something undead? Like what are some of the traits that undead creatures might have uh, that if you really want something to be undead and not a fiend and, and not a demon or, you know, what really makes it undead? Mm. Uh, some of the things I was noticing and it, it's not across the board, but a lot of them have similar immunities uh, and similar resistances. Yeah, So I'm noticing a lot of these undead, are immune to poison or necrotic damage or, you know, at the very least resistant to some of those things. Many of them, like the ghosts, uh, can only be damaged with magical items and attacks like that.
1: I mean, it makes sense because if something is animated by dark magic, then it's not, um, you know, an evil deity or just, you know, malevolence manifest or whatever it is, then normal biology and biomechanics don't apply i mean like a skeleton doesn't have musculature or nerve you know nerve systems or anything right. so why would paralysis why would paralysis affect it Yeah, or or sleep or you know that that just a poison again because it you know it doesn't eat or respire or um have any any biological imperatives for the most part i mean certainly you know some undead do um, but for the most part they they don't have conventional biological functions, so why would things that attack conventional biology work on them? so like like you say, sleep paralysis, poison, disease,
0: but then to balance it out, they have weaknesses, you know a lot of uh radiant damage or you know some sort of holy artifact or something like that is going to be more effective against them. yeah, and there's a lot of things that like clerics and paladins have like turn undead and and uh, you know just a lot of these different tools you can use to combat. Uh, undead creatures, but I think they're, you know, these characteristics are great because you can make a fight more interesting, you can subvert the expectations of your players by taking a normal creature they're used to fighting, I don't know a goblin or a werewolf or something and then giving it some of these characteristics which actually make it more challenging you know, Mm. if you made it into a ghostly creature and now it can only be affected by magic, you don't even have to change the AC or the HP and it's already going to be a bigger challenge Um, you can add some of these resistances, especially if you have a like a player that uses a lot of attacks that are poison or necrotic. I just feel like that's a really good way to kind of shake things up a little bit.
1: Yeah, definitely. Force your pa- party to um, adapt. Because, I mean, sometimes when they've just got their combat routine down pat, it can just be a bit repetitive and boring for everybody concerned. So uh, going, oh, here's another, here's another party of goblins who, oh, wait a minute, they don't seem to be dying quite so easily <laughs> oh wait my sword just went straight through that one. Oh crap <laughs> what are we gonna do now um uh, definitely ramps up the tension um uh, there's no reason why you could you would uh, say a ghost goblin would appear to be anything but a regular goblin until it decides to reveal itself uh, when it's attacked
0: and it can really help establish the atmosphere you know yeah, you yeah. can like if you're fighting these goblins and it's dark in a cave or something you don't even you don't even have to describe to the players that they're undead until they've given you a reason to say there's enough light for them to tell that these goblins are undead. They just look like goblins until they get close enough.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Again, like you say it's just a case of skillfully building tension really throughout the cuz as you say there's no reason to reveal that they are in fact undead creatures until a crucial point. I mean, it just this fight just seems to be grinding on for a while or you let them think they've won and then as they pass on to the next room, wait a minute, those goblins are back.
0: That, that would be a really good way to do it too. Like you let them slay them entirely and then they just happen to stand back up
1: Ha <laughs> ha! that was easy. And then as, of, as they're looting the next room.
0: Or they're wandering away, yeah, and then they just hear footsteps behind them and now it's the exact same creatures that are stalking them.
1: Yeah, maybe just have one that is really distinctive or something standing out so they know it's the same group. This one had a red hat or something. This <laughs> red hat and his eye got gouged out by the paladin. So there he is, once again, waving his little... Goblin spear.
0: As long as it's not a red cap, those things are fucking horrible. No, those,
1: yeah, those are way worse.
0: (laughs) Well, we have a lot more to say about undead creatures, and we will talk about that right after this short break.
2: Space. The final front.
0: Mayday alert. We are under attack. Oh, blarney. I kind of got to watch the tube for 10 seconds. Rerouting auxiliary power to abjuration shields.
2: Someone get on those cannons. We've got company.
0: Are you looking for a Dungeons and Dragons sci-fi fantasy space adventure? Then what you are looking for is Eclipse. Join our crew every other week as we struggle to keep the galaxy safe. With Dr. Shepard, the cleric. The Space Pirates. That
2: was wild.
0: Ava Elkin, the Human Monk.
2: we play our cards right, we might not be totally screwed.
0: Lita Nove, the ASMR Bard.
2: We should be arriving in Amaran in about two hours.
0: Info O. Scott, the Warforged Artificer. All right, I'm just going to go ahead and fire the Sonic Cannon here. Kanan Vargas, the Tiefling Sorcerer. Does anybody else think this is like a super aggressive move? And I'm Jeremy Fair. I will be your Dungeon Master. Eclipse can be found on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere you like to get your podcasts.
2: Do you like Dungeons and Dragons lore? Do you like drunk history? Well then, Lore and Poor is the show for you, where we combine the two. I'm Adam DeWeese, and I'm the host, and I bring on a cast of rotating guests, and we hang out before the show, have a few drinks, and then they are given their topic 30 minutes prior to pressing the record button, where they study up on the topic, and then we hit record, and whatever they say goes, they are treated as if they are the leading experts in the field, and I ask the questions that you never thought you needed to ask, such as how do Mind players go to the bathroom? Yeah, they just go one one time, and it's pee and poop, and it's green. What's the most dangerous creature in the astral plane? It's just pinch it. You yeah, know? Just... and that whale's like, you know they what? They got pinchers? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you do they know about pinchers? pinchers? Find the answers to all these questions and much, much more, whether they're accurate or not, on Lore and Poor. You can find Lore and Poor on the Majesticus Network and wherever you download your podcast every other Monday. Right now,
0: all right, and we are back. So a couple minutes before we went on break, and I, I got a little sidetracked talking about uh, immunities and resistances and characteristics. You asked me what are some of my favorite undead creatures, mm. and you know, as someone that's been trying to write a lot D and D modules lately, I've been trying to create encounters that are, and I know I'm kind of known for this same ways, that are a little bit more challenging than what someone might expect. And so I've been researching a lot of things that are higher level. And this brings me straight to some of the big guns and I am talking of course about liches. Ooh. I mean these things are crazy. I think like yeah. the even a demi-lich is level 18 which is nothing to laugh at and then they go up to like 20, 23. I think if you're looking in like a tomb of horrors, a tomb of annihilation Assisirach is like 25 or something. And... Yeah. I mean, it is crazy. Not only are they going to have all those immunities and resistances and things like that we've talked about, but the the spells they have access to. And the amount of times that liches can cast these spells is just uncanny.
1: I mean, they're essentially demigods at that point.
0: Basically. I mean, it's like they're trying to obtain godhood, right? Yeah. Like, isn't that kind of part of a lich's deal?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, like... I, I mean, this doesn't translate to fifth ed particularly, but like epic level three point five, I think like at level thirty, you attained godhood essentially, so you could do like god killer campaigns and stuff. But yeah, I mean, that's that getting up that kind of power level is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, that's like a world world threat.
0: Yeah, you can end the world. Ex-
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally end the world. But Asura's just happy in his little dungeon.
0: I'll just wait here. What's another couple <laughs> more?
1: No, it's fine. Let them come to me. They'll just take <laughs> seemingly people who just queuing up to go in the uh, to go into his tomb.
0: We talked about some of the elements of undead, um, especially like the the example with the goblins. How they're undead, mm. so maybe it's something that you can only kill in a very very specific way, or uh, maybe you know depending on how you want to run it, maybe they can't be killed, and maybe the objective is to escape, or um, you know any of these things. It, it just seems like because they're undead they get at least another chance at life if not multiple and especially when talking about liches and demi-liches and things like that uh one of the main things that makes something a lich is a phylactery hmm. uh phylactery is going to be some sort of artifact that's bound to the mortal plane sometimes multiple artifacts like let's say you're talking about Voldemort from Harry Potter or something it could be multiple artifacts that are keeping their soul bound um, and perhaps that is the reason you cannot slay them. You can kill this lich, but it's going to return in a couple of days or a couple of weeks or whatever it may be. Uh, I think that's a really fun idea to play with. You can have any creature. You know, you can make maybe you don't want to throw a lich at them, but you want something that's similar. You can tie another sort of creature to a like a phylactery type artifact and make it really interesting.
1: I was thinking not just phylacteries, but um, the idea of like you know certain movies like Dead Snow where the zombies are um, animated by a curse, so killing them doesn't work. They just keep coming back anyway until the 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 curse is resolved essentially. And in that film, it's um, stolen nazi gold but this it could be any literally anything it could be some kind of object needs to be restored to a village or but the challenge then would be finding out what that is and then fulfilling the obligations of that curse um to stop them from attacking and i think you know you wouldn't necessarily maybe they fight it one time defeat it and then uh as they're traveling they rest somewhere for the night and as they're attacked by it again, the exact same thing in the middle of the night. And it just keeps coming back night after night, after night, after night, after night, no matter how many times they kill it until they work out what's going on and, you know, satisfy those conditions.
0: Yeah. And at that point it kind of becomes like the puzzle. Like you don't have to choose between combat and a puzzle. You can make them two in the same.
1: It doesn't even have to be a difficult fight particularly.
0: Right. And I think it'd be kind of more fun if it's, you know, if that is like the thing, like, what the hell? How do we defeat these things? They're weak. They're not super powerful, but they just won't die. What do we need to do? What do we need to figure out?
1: Those things might not even, you know, might be aware of what, what they are and be unhappy about it. You know, it's like, we don't want to keep attacking you, but there's this curse, you know, we're going to keep doing it. Sorry. Uh, Can't say anything more than that. And then they just keep murdering you or trying to murder you and getting torn to pieces over and over again.
0: You could use that as a great introduction to an adventure. Mm. I mean, uh, like looking at these, these descriptions of the liches and their abilities and the lore, a lot of them create these undead Mm. servants. They are, you know, they might've chose to become this undead uh, God or or demon or something, but they're like forcing creatures to become their undead servants and to, be stuck in this this uh undeath for essentially eternity especially if you can't actually kill them so maybe you stock this dungeon with all sorts of weak creatures that cannot be killed until this lich or demi-lich is destroyed um where they're just kind of like this little thing that keeps jabbing you or just even with the pure action economy mm. uh, it could really make a challenge a battle more challenging to have a whole bunch of these Literally undead creatures just poking at you again and again and again while you're trying to defeat a real enemy like SSIRAC or something.
1: Yeah, just you know, death death by a thousand cuts sort of thing. The more I think about that, the more I like it actually. Just having that as a as a plot hook. Just these these pitiful zombies that just keep attacking you over and over again. Like we're oh, sorry. <laughs> it's like you got you again. <laughs> sorry.
0: And a regular lich is bad enough, but uh, there's Draco liches, which is a whole nother thing where like a dragon has chosen to become a lich. I mean, that is a whole nother level. And what's Dungeons and Dragons without a couple of dragons every now and then?
1: Exactly. Uh, You've also got, uh, again, in a similar vein, this is back from all the way from first edition, Dragon Whites. So dragons that had, I guess, been raised as whites. I don't quite get what the benefit that would give them, so I guess that's why they didn't last past first edition.
0: Well, <laughs> who raised them? Is it like a, like a, some sort of lich or necromancer has brought these undead dragons, these dead dragons, back to, not life, but to undeath, and then controls them as, like, these mindless whites that they can... Ooh,
1: okay, so... Uh, while living in the temple of the Dragon Oracle, a cell of the Cult of the Dragon performed sorcerous experiments on a black dragon, using one of the original copies of Tome of the Dragon, and transformed it into a dragon white. It was one that couldn't fly and did not retain its spellcasting abilities, so it's been in- basically enslaved in on death. So that makes sense.
0: Well, I mean, that's a good idea because dragons are pretty smart, pretty powerful, yeah. and they're going to try to turn on you. They're cunning enough to think they're going to have the upper hand, so of course you want to take that uh, intelligence and independence away.
1: Exactly, and and even if they don't have access to their spells, it's still a giant, formidable dragon <laughs> that won't die through conventional means. They still, yeah, apparently still had some memories from when they're alive, but also had you know benefit the same kind of benefits from from undeath. So, but could be harmed by holy water. Is that still a thing in Five E?
0: Holy water. I know it's an item you can purchase in the regular, general store items. I just it doesn't really give you much of a description, so I'm not sure. Yeah, what does it do? It might be just something rule of cool for your DM to kind of play with.
1: Cause I mean, you could use that as like a splash damage, like grenade for uh, undead potentially.
0: That would be kind of a cool way to look at it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Alchemist I you, fire. I think you can actually do, can do that. It's just an alchemist fire for zombies.
1: Yeah, two d six radiant damage on undead or or fiends. So there you go. Holy water is a thing in five B. So yeah, that's a that's a some, uh, something you could probably have as an, like an easily accessible magic weapon, essentially for lower levels.
0: You know, and that makes me think: Can you have a player can or a player's character rather just consistently creating holy water, like you have a, a paladin or a cleric and you know, they're like using bless or something to literally bless water yeah, into some that's, holy water.
1: That's, that's, a, that's an interesting thought. That's a I'm bullet. sure
0: if you're the DM, you want to like limit it in a way that's fair. But I don't know. A lot of players, unless they're very brand new, seem to, most of them, like to avoid making things a little too OP because they realize it's more fun when there's a challenge. Mm. Like what's a challenge if you can't fail?
1: That's true.
0: Uh, looking back at the Draco Lich, So a Draco Lich is a dragon who chose, says voluntarily tied its soul to a phylactery to free itself from death. And basically once this happens, their spirit can possess any dead reptile, but they usually choose their own body. But that'd be interesting for a lesser dragon to Uh, possess the the dead corpse of a greater dragon or something like that I think that would be really cool uh, because it says they can do that Yeah, Um, and then it also says they they give off a supernatural aura of fear, they retain any spells they might have had in life Well, they continue to have their breath weapon but can uh, choose to change it to necrotic if they wish I don't know, it's crazy, and then the book mentioned one thing I'd never heard of it said, a hollow dragon cannot become a Draco Lich, and I didn't know what that was, but a brand new book just came out recently called Fizbin's Treasury of Dragons, and sure enough, they added a hollow dragon to that book, so this is an undead dragon that is not a Draco Lich, but it's more powerful than a Draco Lich. A hollow dragon is an ancient dragon that temporarily makes itself undead, so that it is unfettered by the distractions of life until it can complete a task, at which point it can return back to the world of the living. Um, It's insanely powerful. Well, yeah, if you could just turn its life off and on. It has outrageous (laughs) legendary actions. It is crazy. And here's the cool part. Any alignment. It says most hollow dragons are actually good or neutral. So I think that would be a really great way to... uh, treat this hollow dragon, which is level 18, as maybe a benefactor, something that helps the party. It could be a quest giver, um, or you could just go the standard route and turn it evil as fuck. I don't have
1: the time to be alive right now. I've got more important things to do. Uh, <laughs> I've got an answer. Um, yes, you can. Uh, clerics and Paladins have a first-level spell is that from Xanathar's. Um, they have a first-level spell called Ceremony. And one of the options for that is bless water, so you touch one vial of water and it and cause it to become holy water. So, but it's a ritual, uh, one hour uh, casting casting time.
0: Okay, so that's a good yeah. way of balancing it a little bit. Yeah, because
1: I mean that's what a two d six holy water grenade <laughs> crafted over the course of an hour's <laughs> worth of really hard praying. Um, makes sense to me.
0: You better pray hard, boy.
1: <laughs> you want this goddamn vial to blow up, you better pray real hard and stop chewing that goddamn gum.
0: Checking out this hollow dragon. It has a thing called ghostly binding as a legendary action, and it just puts a ghostly energy an ethereal binding around any creature it can see within 60 feet, <laughs> and then that creature becomes restrained and you have to get a DC 19 strength saving throw to escape this binding. And then on top of that, it has all these other normal attacks you might expect from a dragon. Plus, like, multiple breath weapons, a sapping presence, just being near it. You just start losing health. Holy heck. I mean, this thing is crazy. It cuts your speed in half when you're near it. It. I don't know. This hollow dragon looks like it is a monster.
1: All the fucking really edgy shit was in third ed, which isn't surprising to be honest. Now that I think about it.
0: So we've talked about a lot of different types of undead creatures, and we've honestly haven't even scratched the surface. Especially if you're like looking into Mortican's Tome of Foes. If you're going to like third parties and looking at like the Kobold Press Tome of Beasts and Creature Codex, that's another literally like if you look at all three of them, like another thousand pages of creatures. But you know, there's more to undead than just undead creatures. We've talked about a lich. Well, what about someone aspiring to be a lich? What about a necromancer? Hmm. Have you ever played a necromancer wizard or ever considered trying to play one?
1: I have in Pathfinder. I made a character called uh, Nana Goodnight, who's a, um, a like an oldie timey um, undertaker but also someone who would be called in to take care of dying people. Um, And sometimes she carried on taking care of them after they died.
0: (laughs) Is the uh, necromancer in Pathfinder, like more of a necromancer than just the subclass of wizard in D&D? Well,
1: it was more that I was a a witch um, character. Um, So, But I took, like, Raise Dead as being my... Because Pathfinder doesn't work quite in the same way as as D&D. There's a lot more tunability to it within sort of classes. But, yeah, my focus was going to be on, like, necromantic spells, essentially, and animating things. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I only got to play her once so far. But um, it's a really fun character concept that I'd like to go back to. Um, Because she wasn't evil at all. Um, like she was a respected member of her community would be called upon have you seen Doctor Sleep or read the book I have not without giving too much away it's about Danny Torrance from The Shining grown up and he goes to he ends up working in like a, a hospice and um, helping people like with terminal illnesses like die peacefully essentially with his shine using the shine And she kind of would do the same thing. So she, you know, she was well respected, and then took care of the, the body after they were gone. And then some people would pledge themselves to her after they died, in kind of like an organ donor kind of way. And she needed somebody to be, to be raised um, after they were gone. And then that would have been considered like quite an honor for them.
0: Oh wow! I didn't know that. The Shining. <laughs> created such a intense sounding spin-off.
1: Well, I mean that that the being raised from the dead wasn't in The Shining, but that that was what I did for my character, Danny Torrance. Just like like I say, helps help people to die. But yeah, uh, like I say, I don't think there needs to. There's not necessarily you don't have to be an evil necromancer. Although it's certainly I think to not be an evil necromancer, you have to be a little bit more creative with it. Just my feeling because it's kind of hard to justify in a lot of cultures, like raising dead people like oh yeah i just brought granny back because i needed i needed something to throw at a, a low level encounter so yeah that's why your granny's graves been dug up and she's dead again in the, the village square sorry about that
0: look well, it could be a cool character though i mean like you're you're you are good, you know, you have a good heart, you're pure, you're just trying to save people. Maybe you're a doctor or a cleric. This is I'm just one, I've just got this one talent. You become obsessed <laughs> with saving people and then they like pass and maybe it's someone you really cared about and you're just not willing to accept that. And so they take their magic, their healing magic and turn it into necromancy magic, thinking of a way to bring something back. Like like you might've failed at saving yeah. them, but maybe it's not too late. But that would be a really interesting character. I feel like you could kind of play with like, the line they're having to walk and uh, as a dm you could like taunt them like different spirits are trying to offer them more power in exchange for allegiance and and uh you know it could be a really interesting character they're they're slowly sliding from good to neutral to evil throughout the course of a campaign
1: what about a sorcerer like maybe a divine soul sorcerer or something if you take like um raised dead as a spell it just sort of say it's like i'm trying to manifest this healing energy it's just not working right <laughs> it just keeps creating these horrible zombies
0: yeah why does it always rot uh, their flesh
1: yeah <laughs> i just guess i'm not i'm not celestial enough i'm sorry
0: looking at the uh school of necromancy and the, and the necromancy subclass for wizard uh, at second level you get a thing called grim harvest And once per turn, when you kill one or more creature with a a spell of any kind, level one or higher, you regain HP equal to twice that spell's level or three times if it's a necromancy spell. Okay. Uh, you do not get this benefit from killing constructs or undead. But, you know, going off that story it'd be like they're trying to save them and they don't understand like that their magic's killing the person and then bringing them back as an undead thrall
1: god damn it another one dead (laughs) why does this (laughs) keep happening
0: dies and then stands back up
1: i'm sorry clive will you just take a seat over there please i'll get to you in a moment
0: (laughs) and at level six you get an undead thrall so you can take the animate dead spell and put it in your spell book and then when you cast animate dead Mm. you get to target an additional corpse or pile of bones to turn it into a zombie or skeleton and You know, depending how lenient your DM is or if you're a DM using this for some sort of NPC, like we said earlier, it can just be a template. It doesn't have to be the zombie or the skeleton from the book. It can be anything with zombie attributes or anything with skeletal characteristics. And uh, I think that would be really, really fun. And then the creature comes back with additional HP equal to your wizard level, <laughs> you get to add your proficiency bonus to its damage roll. So you are making this thing stronger in death than it ever was in life.
1: I feel like that's like you've sort of kind of exerting more or less direct control over it. Do you know what I mean? That, although that's not necessarily how it would manifest. You can describe it however you want. But just to my mind, it sort of feels like you're like remote controlling this zombie because you're directly applying your proficiency to its attributes
0: and i i think that's what the creators had in mind because mm. it said at 10th level you are now resistant to necrotic damage and you can't lose maximum hp which <laughs> the fact that you can't lose maximum hp is a really big buff especially that's if you're really fighting good. something like another undead we didn't even mention something Mm. like a vampire or something which can consistently take away your max hp that's really good against them Mm. and then here we go command undead you have spent so much time fine-tuning your control over the undead that you can command them even if they're not ones that you created you can command these undead creatures to just follow your will i don't know that's pretty cool i've i guess i've never played a necromancer wizard i've thought about it but i've always been kind of salty like why isn't there just a whole class that's necromancer? But now that I read this, thinking of this compared with all the cool stuff you can normally get as a wizard, it does seem like you could truly make yourself into like a, an actual necromancer uh, in Dungeons and Dragons sure. fifth edition.
1: Necromancer to me is anybody who does necromancy. <laughs> this is say, but but like you say, if you want to go full full hog, though, definitely that's the way to do it because holy shit, that's op. But again, completely in keeping with. Um, the theme definitely and i think you know within that there's as always anything in role-playing games there's infinite scope for just flavor to to put to put on top of that all the ideas that we've just pitched screwing around for instance they're (laughs) they're all (laughs) freely available
0: for you to use yeah i feel like we've said a lot today uh but unfortunately we are running out of time Is there anything else, Gerundu, that you would like to leave our listeners with in terms of the undead, zombies, necromancers, Draco liches, skin kites? uh, Just any bit of of advice or information you want to share.
1: I always liked the older explanations for how zombies worked in Third Edge. So this would be a house rule of mine that... um, inflict wounds heals undead and cure wounds damages them
0: some final fantasy uh logic
1: because negative and positive energies essentially and undead is uh negative energy
0: well in final fantasy you can phoenix down a (laughs) an undead creature and it'll like kill it if it's weak enough (laughs) the thing you can use to revive your characters you can just kill undead with which is pretty (laughs) awesome I think that makes, that
1: makes sense to me and is a, is a house rule that I would have in, in my games.
0: Well, I think the final thing that I'm going to say is, in the great words of Assessorak, the necromancer and lich, reduce, reuse, and recycle. <laughs>
1: if nothing else, necromancy is ecological.
0: As always, I just wanted to take some time to say thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope that our discussions were able to entertain and inspire you. Do you have an idea for a guest you'd like to hear us interview? Or perhaps there's a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on the show? We want to hear about it. You can send us comments, questions, or just say hi by going to Dicetalkpod.com. There, you can stay up to date on all the latest Dice Talk news and streaming schedules. Also, be sure to go to MajesticGoose.com, where you can check out all the awesome tabletop shows that we offer on the network. If you want to find us on social media, you can do so on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search Dice Talk and start following us today. You can also get in touch with us by sending us an email to dicetalkshow at gmail.com. And if you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. They really help to get us to the top of the charts and get our name out there. Leaving us a review lets us know how you feel about the show, and it really is the best way you can support us right now. Don't forget to tell your friends about us and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. I'll talk to you next time on Dice Talk.
2: A Majestic Goose Podcast.